Hello, you're listening to Scaling DevTools, the show that investigates how DevTools go from zero to one. I'm joined today by Richard Moots, the head of developer advocacy at Block, which you may also know as Square. Richard, great to have you with us today. I posted a tweet asking who is an expert on YouTube in the developer space. And your name came up from a very reliable source, Carl Hughes. So I really wanted to ask you about the work that you're doing on YouTube with Square. I mean, thank you so much for having me here. I was extremely flattered uh, that Carl was saying such nice things about what we've been doing because we're sitting here, we're making these things, releasing the videos. And there's a certain extent where you start to wonder, like, is anyone actually like noticing this? Like, I know the developers who are watching our videos and using our platform really love them, but it's great to sort of see that other folks outside of our little bubble are noticing what we're doing. So Richard, if a startup's thinking of getting started with YouTube, how would you suggest that they, they start? It's a really good question. And one of the things that comes to mind is like sort of assume that you've already been doing blog posts and you figured out how to like get traction within this space and you, you understand like how to engage with people in a written format and you're like, we want to go to video. I'd say that's, it's not necessarily a precursor, but I mean, like having that sort of established, you've understood your audience and, and all that, and you're wanting to go to that next level. I think you need to sort of just be conscious of some of the things that you might not think at first. So you need to be sure that when you're creating any kind of video, the thing that's the most important is the audio. If you're going to record something yourself, get like a really good mic, make sure that it's not in an echoey room. Even if you're just going to be like filming like little screencasts, if you're self-demoing the product, first and foremost, really good, clean audio. I can't even tell you the amount of times that I've had my editor go, you know, this sounds like really tinny or like this sounds like this. All of us will be sitting there just nitpicking that stuff relentlessly in the, in the editing process because we just know that like uh, that no one will watch the video if it sounds a little tinny or like robotic or anything like that. Um, and that's like thinking like the more practical thing of like, be sure that you have that figured out. Then I think you need to like be sure to plan more than you would initially think when you're creating out a video. So it might be thinking through like all your different types of content that you should be creating. But also I think it's a lot easier when you know what you want to record upfront, because I have talked to a couple of developers who like, they have a different way of doing it where they record themselves doing stuff and then go back after the fact and then edit that all down and then do a voiceover. And that could probably work for some people. It definitely does not work for me. Like I want to know all the things I'm doing ahead of time so that I have it like really well planned out. And then later I'm just doing like the fine edits. One other thing I do want to mention that I would recommend as like a tool, not very expensive. And it's just far better than most things that can get you 90% of the way there is ScreenFlow. On our team, we do all of our own screencast portions. So like every time you see an editor up and somebody's writing code or interacting with things, we record that all ourselves because we're the only ones that really know how that stuff is going to work or how it should look. And we just started using ScreenFlow and it allows us to do quick edits of like, hey, I had a typo. You can quickly scribble that out in the edit like super quick. Really good mic and ScreenFlow can probably get you up and running initially with some pretty decent content. Well, that's amazing. Just mentioning on the kind of things that only you could do, could you touch on that a little bit? Because a video is something that probably involves a lot of different people, potentially different skills, at least. It's a really good question and good segue because I could definitely say that like our YouTube channel is a little bit unique. We've been very, very lucky in that we had this amazing video team 
who manage all of the video stuff for our main square brand channel. We were initially just going to kind of be like, Hey, we're going to go like find an agency and work with them. We were going to be really scrappy with it. And then they kind of came in and just showed us what really good video could look like. And for us, it was like having an editor. I think it was a kind of a precursor that developer advocates were developers. We know how to teach somebody how to use the software. We know how to like actually write the code for it. We know all that, like a good domain. If we were then being asked, I need you to go and not only record the stuff, but I need you to also cut it together and get the audio lined up perfectly and all that stuff. That's just hours and hours of time. That's not really what you pay developer advocates for. Usually you're really like, I want you to go give a talk or write a blog post and all that stuff. I would say getting a video editor is one of the a very important thing. It is challenging though, because in the same way that it's going to seem like they're speaking a foreign language to you, you're speaking a foreign language to them. So many times I've had people when we were recording stuff and my director, editor, videographer person is just like, I have no idea what you said. Like you just said like, oh yeah, we're going to tokenize the form and pass this into our backend and make this API call and talk about this method. He's like, I have no idea if you said any of that correctly. And so like we have other developer advocates who are like listening in doing script control. They actually have to like listen to be like, did you say this correctly? That's this delineation of this is what I'm responsible for. But my video person, he's still sitting there thinking, did I get that shot correctly? Did we record the thing? And I, they're already sort of like stitching together in their head. How am I going to get this all together to, to have it look clean? The other part is design. If you're doing it yourself, just try to come up with your own standards of like how things should look aesthetically and try to try your best to keep it consistent. If you're going to record on your desktop, clean up your whole desktop. Don't just like leave all these windows open. It's very distracting. Get it nice. Leave some margins around the spaces. Good ratio. Keep the same ratio every time that you're recording it. Also, this is like the biggest one for me that was like a, a huge sticking point for us. Make your font so much bigger than you think it should. A lot of people don't realize this because if you have to think about all the different places that your video is going to be. It might be in, embedded in a blog post. It might be embedded in your documentation. We were very much thinking upfront, what are the size formats that we're optimizing for? We had the assumption developers are going to be looking at this on a desktop computer. So let's assume laptop dimensions or bigger. We didn't want to be optimizing for mobile, but even given that we understood that sometimes people are looking at YouTube videos and like the much, much smaller things. So we don't even get the full real estate. Whenever I've done my screen recordings, if you ever see them like in person, what I see, like everything looks comically big. I just kept telling my designer, this is wrong. Like there's no way this is right. But then when it ends up getting shrunk down and translated into YouTube, it's like, oh, this looks perfect. It's totally legible. Everything looks good, but it's on my screen. I'm just like, why is this so enormous? That's hilarious. And also very, very <laughs> informative. I, there's uh, two points there that I'm just going to write down. That's really interesting, Richard. And one of the things that I've struggled with is examples and how long they take to put together. Could you talk a little bit about examples? <laughs> Yeah. Examples has been like a big sticking point for me because I view that as like treasure that like when we already have examples of things, suddenly the rest of the content it flows up. I mean, not to like sort of pretend like the rest of the content is suddenly super easy to make, but the thing that you're touching on building out the examples, I think we all should understand that is very much the hardest part because you want the code to look really clean. It needs to be like really like clear as succinct as possible. 
but also like if you have animations or other things, those need to like flow really well and really smoothly. It's getting that level of precision is just so important. If you have little bugs, I promise you it will drive you crazy every time you come back to that video. Not everyone's going to see it. There's a little bit of fudge room here, but then somebody will call it out in a YouTube comment and you're just like, oh man, I knew that I shouldn't have done that. Building on examples is really important. It's like one of the reasons why we recently decided to hire a developer relations engineer to like focus on building out examples because anytime I've had to build out an example for a video that I was creating, it suddenly takes like two to three times as long immediately because I'm going to be writing all the code and refactoring the code. And like, by the time I get all the code done, then I could finally be like, okay, now I can write the script because I know exactly what it is that I'm going to be talking about. But like, it's this precursor to the whole thing. If you have a product where like, there's a lot of visual stuff and you could just demo it. Awesome. Otherwise I would highly recommend investing in getting like good examples, even if they're small just really good, clean examples of something that you can showcase in your video is really important. That's a really good point. And when we're talking about good examples in a general sense on kind of quality versus quantity, I know this is something that you thought a lot about, and I wonder if you could share a little bit about how you think about this. It's definitely a good thing to be thinking about. And in fact, I should have mentioned it before, like when you're starting out, you know, you might think, oh, I want to create like a bunch of videos and I want to be like really scrappy and say you did listen to me and you got like the good mic and you got screen flow, but then you just start like pumping things out. I do think that there's a lot of value in spending the time initially as much as you can to figure out what does a quality video look like and how much work does it take to create that? In the same way that I would say the same thing about like blog content, like figure out what it takes to like write a really good blog post. Once you finally figure out like, okay, this is what a piece of evergreen content looks like. Just in that process, you're going to like be able to look back and think, okay, what are the things that actually got me there? And where is it that I can start making compromises and shortcuts and optimizations? And that's why like with our own videos, initially those first few videos were really not easy to, to get put together. It was like working with somebody who was like building out our sets, everything that we do. Yes. We're like in a larger <laughs> public company. And so, you know, we had more budget for certain things, creating sets and all this stuff. But a lot of that was like driven by our video team sort of insisting, like we want to have this certain level of quality. And then that just paid dividends for us over the long term because once you hit that like really quality video. You then can like be better about understanding, like, I probably didn't really need to do all of this stuff with the lighting, or I didn't need to do all of this stuff when doing my screen recordings. And I can, maybe if I like planned this a little bit better, I can scrub out parts easier. I even like learned at like one point, if I was like, say, pasting values in to replace stuff in a screencast, I learned that if you just paste them all first and then command Z your way back start your recording and then command shift C or like basically to like redo everything that you undid. Everything just came through like a lot more seamlessly. Like these are all things that you just, you figure out, okay, I spent the time to do it the hard way. And now I know where I can sort of take my shortcuts. And now we hit a point where we can produce our videos way faster, way easier. And we're still barely compromised on the quality. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And also one of the things that you mentioned previously is about having fun when you're making it, which is, oh, I know, yeah. this, is a very, this is a very serious podcast where we talk about growth, <laughs> but where does fun come into it? 
I love that you bring it up because it's actually probably like one of the most important things to me. I always say this, it's so much selfishly because like I want to enjoy doing my job. And if my job is creating this content, I want that to be fun. But I really do believe that like, if you're having fun doing that thing, particularly with content, content is like a lot of times that you want it to be engaging. I do understand sometimes you have to have more serious content. It's not going to make sense that when we're talking about security vulnerabilities to be having a lot of fun and making jokes. But when we're talking about something where it's like, I think we're allowed to have a little bit of fun. I'd say that you really need to find a way. Maybe fun is not even always the best word. Maybe it's like find the way that makes this interesting to you. Because if you can really grab onto the part that is like fun or interesting to you, it's really going to kind of shine through in the content that you're creating. I think maybe I'm sort of biased here, but when I see some of the best content that I like, the thing that I want to share with someone else, I'm like, oh, you should like go watch this. It's going to teach you how to do X, Y, and Z. And it's super fun. You can always just tell that the person's like super interested in this particular thing, or like they're like just having a lot of fun with it. And I think the more you try to think about how to incorporate that, maybe there's like also this psychological effect that when you're thinking about having fun, that maybe you're a little bit more at ease and the creative process can kind of flow a little bit better. I do find that is like also kind of helpful, even like within the shoot where like I have watched myself or one of the other advocates, like flubbing a line over and over again. And it's like, you know what, like, let's just take a breath. We're going to go shake it out. And we're just going to try and like chat about something that's completely not related to this to have a little bit of fun to just sort of bring that anxiety back down again and make sure our enthusiasm can come back through. I think it's a really important point. Richard, that's all we've got time for. It's been amazing having you on and learning about video. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed getting to chat about this. It's not often that I actually do get to like gush about all the stuff that we've done in the video space. I'm usually just out there trying to make more videos. It's good to reflect and be like, oh, people are seeing this thing and they want to know more about how to do it. And so it's even getting me to sort of be more reflective and think, oh, that is how we got where we are. It's amazing. And if people want to learn more about you or about Block or Square, where can they find more information? You can um, easily find anything about the developer platform that we're on is developer.squareup.com. From there, you'll probably find like our Twitter at SquareDev, our YouTube channel. Please do go check that out if you want to learn more about how to use stuff with Square. It's uh, just youtube.com slash SquareDev. I'll admit I'm not super active on Twitter, but you're welcome to follow me at WootMoot or our SquareDev Twitter handle. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you very soon. 